feminists are saying was, was right. And to this day, everything they've said has been proven 100% correct. That there is this sort of attack on women and, and on female spaces in particular, saying that women have to allow men who claim to be women into the space. So we created this app for women, not realizing actually how much there was a need for female spaces as there is. It was purely by accident. Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, the podcast you deserve. My name is Ricky Orpike. Last week, we had the pleasure of interviewing founder and CEO of Giggle, which is a female-only social media app, Sal Grover. Sal was an absolute delight. We got into the controversy surrounding the launch of her social media platform, but also had a great discussion about her time working as a scriptwriter in Hollywood and the portrayal of men and women in modern Hollywood cinema. Adult human female Sal Grover is Chief Executive Officer at Giggle, a social media app for women. Prior to founding Giggle, Sal was a successful screenwriter in Hollywood for almost 10 years. The experiences in that industry led her to developing Giggle. Uh, Sal is here to talk about the problems and the controversies creating a female-only space in the 21st century. Sal, welcome to The New Flesh. Thank you so much for having me. So, Sal, in a recent episode of Q&A focusing on ethics in sport, Kieran Perkins weighed in in his capacity as CEO of the Australian Sports Commission saying basically that the whole affair of trans trans uh, uh, women in sport was no big deal. And you clapped back on Twitter saying, quote, I wonder how much time Kieran Perkins is spending ensuring that men's sport is inclusive of women. How could you mercilessly attack Kieran, our Kieran? Is, is no beloved former sports champion safe from your abuse? Who's next? Pat Rafter? <laughs> I have no problem with Kieran Perkins personally. And do you know what, actually? His, him winning in Barcelona in 92 is the first memory of the Olympics that I have in my life because I would have been like oh, wow. eight. That's where it began. You you looked at him and you said, "You're going down, bro. Uh, in 20 years, you're going down." I had no problem with him until I saw that he said that um you know if you don't support men in women's sport, basically you're a bigot. Yeah. Okay, this is an issue of bigotry. No, it's not. I was surprised by I, I was I hadn't seen him in a long time. To be frank, I, I was very surprised at firstly how he looked, secondly uh, uh, how everything he said. Well, it's mm. just you know it's like him and then the other. Um, one uh, Australian commentator who speaks out about this issue that I have a problem with is Peter Fitzsimons, who's a former rugby union wallaby player who's all about having men and women's sports. But at no point is he talking about bringing trans men into the wallabies team. And so what, where, is he not a bigot by his own logic? This it, it, is absurd. Well, I, I, I saw him, uh, Kieran, speak on the Today Show and he, he, he's... His basic thing was, uh, you know, this isn't about fairness. Fairness has got nothing to do with it. I was like, hang on a minute, that doesn't make much sense. Well, <laughs> it, this the sports issue is particularly annoying but illuminating in that um, there's not a single trans person who is banned from sport unless, you know, that they are like some cheating, doping person, which then their banning wouldn't be because of their transness. Trans people are welcome to play sport. They just literally have to follow the same rules as everybody else. And is that not the definition of inclusion? It's just you just have to compete according to your biological sex. I can't go and compete in the male category just because I want to or for, you know, that I think it would be more fun or anything. So why is your identity given as a reason above what safety, fair, fairness, but even if those reasons didn't exist, no, women have their own sports category because we want it and we fought for it yes. and we got it. And it's we're still in the early days of it even existing. Yeah, well, they mm. quite often they frame it as, you know, sport is a, is a social good and that everybody should be a part of sport because it's good for your mental health, it's good for your fitness. Yeah. And if, and, you know, and if we don't let trans people uh, compete in, you know, in, in the leagues that they, that they want to, then, you know, that'll impact on their mental illness and blah, blah, blah. But one thing that, that never really enters the debate is that, you know, we used to make decisions about things for the for the good of the most people you know so what benefits them you know more people that's what we go with you know whereas this is this benefits a very small amount of people like I, I could see a lot of women dropping out of sport because particularly in in full contact sports because they don't want to compete with uh with uh, trans athletes that that have had that uh that advantage of going through puberty I think that if your mental health is so affected that because you can't play netball in a women's team or hockey or whatever the sport is, then you have a different mental health issue. 
that needs to be addressed. Um, even, you know, it's like, yeah, the mental health, oh, sorry, hang on, you. Sal, Sal's uh, multitasking, yes. but we'll just we'll leave <laughs> yeah, it Yeah, that's not me crying. <laughs> I can't do it. I got rid my, I got my shafted, I got rid of my baby onto someone else before yeah. this. I can't Usually multitask. I do actually get my mum to come and look after her, but we've been in a rush today. Well, I'm a man. I can only do one thing at once, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> um, but no, so the mental health issue, if what about the mental health of like girls who have to then have accommodate a male on the team, whether then they have to be cautious in other ways or that that male is going to be changing in their dressing rooms, even just um, back to this is thought popped into my head, back to the Kieran Perkins thing, the 1500 meter race where he made his name and got his medals and everything. You know, that's only a new addition into women's sport. Women didn't even have that race up until I think it was like the last Olympics or maybe the one before that it was even added because some believe that women couldn't swim that far or whatever. And we are, we are physically weaker and we don't have the physical stamina of men. Don't don't women swim, swim the English channel and stuff like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So (laughs) women can swim 1500 meters. Um, But as you will see, you can just Google it. The times we swim it slower. So if Kieran Perkins decided to go and compete in the new 1,500-metre women's category, um, he would win. Probably, maybe still, I don't know. If there was a race of beings that, that rolled up and were inherently stronger than him and you know, and he had to race against them, I think he'd change his attitude. Yeah, sure. and it's just, I always say it to people, it's like I don't love it that women are physically weaker and slower and all that than men. It, it's not that we want it to be that way. If we want to talk about like wish fulfillment here, it would be great if we were all, you know, equally as strong as each other. It's just not the case. Like either we're going to live in reality or we're not. Well, perhaps let's pivot to your story. We're going to take a deep dive on your app giggle, but before we do, uh, perhaps you could tell us about the journey. What what led you to de- to develop an online space for women? So I'll preface it all by saying that the app is actually in pieces at the moment because we are renovating it and updating it, which is really, really exciting. It was just sort of a growth thing. We've spent the last three years taking our time of being cancelled because that's the reality um, to learn as much as possible and what our users really wanted and the, you know, the best way to sort of go about a social network for women. So there's just little things that we're changing about it. Um, and yeah, renovating and making, you know, taking technology to where it is right now. We're also taking it off the App Store and Google Play because um, it will potentially eventually be removed from there anyway if this current zeitgeist continues. And so we just wanted to have control over it um, and not be vulnerable to big tech in that way. So basically, to backtrack, Um, In 2018, I had returned to Australia from the US. Um, I was a shell of a person. I spent almost 10 years in Hollywood and most of it in the pre-Me Too world. And I just experienced just rampant sexual assault and sexual harassment pretty much on a daily basis. And I just lost who I lost my voice. I lost who I was. I got I I don't even know why I was I stayed as long as I did in hindsight. Like we all have the when we had the benefit of hindsight. Um, and so when I came back, it was only initially for a holiday. And then I extended it for a bit longer, decided to do some therapy, so I wasn't ready to go back. Um, and in that therapy, I was told you need to have a strong female support network in your life. Like that's been missing and it would help. And it was quite obvious to me that that was the case because when Me Too happened, a lot of women in Hollywood that we sort of knew each other, either we were friends or even just acquaintances. We all started messaging each other, saying what our stories were and our experiences, um, which in, we hadn't been doing before that. And so sort of that experience coupled with what my therapist was saying, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a way that we could communicate just without men, just, you know, not that men are bad, not all men are bad, none of that. It was just that we could sort of tell these stories without fear of judgment from men or just even sometimes of them finding out because I had it had had it used against me um, of guys knowing and using it against me. So it was actually my mum who said, well, why don't we create an app? And we have 
had no knowledge of how to do that. I don't code. Um, <laughs> it was nothing about the app world that was... Hashtag learn to code. Seriously. Isn't there's <laughs> nothing about it that was familiar to us other than sort of using apps. And so we just, we started just sort of developing the idea and it was my dad who kind of took it seriously and he'd sort of retired from, from his profession and started learning about what we'd have to do. And it was basically, we would have to create a working demo to take it to investors and also developers to be taken seriously. So we spent six months building a working demo, got investors to be able to build um, our MVP, um, spent the next sort of, I think like eight, nine months doing that. And then we were getting ready to launch it. It was on the App Store and Google Play. This is early, like February, 2020. We hadn't put all the security in or anything. We were just ironing out bugs. It was known to a handful of women just to test it to see if like functionality was working. And the trans activist corner of Reddit and Twitter found it. I don't know how, but they found it. And suddenly we were inundated with thousands of downloads from what can only be described as men. And why we know that is because to get onto Giggle, um, to keep it female only, there's an onboarding process to take a selfie that is then put through um, AI to establish the likelihood of someone is male or female just by looking at a picture of them, which some activists sort of call dystopian, whatever. No, it's just what human beings do. <laughs> we look at each other and like, I'm looking at you. I can tell that you're male. You're looking at me. You can tell I'm female. It is, this interview is over. It's, it's All right. the most basic <laughs> evolutionary skill that we have almost. Um, and so then we also like have that backed up by um, human beings because we had this, at this point we didn't, but since we had the security, the onboarding security um, set to 94% accuracy. And so it works as you would expect 94% accuracy to work. So some men do get on. Um, but our thoughts were that it would be better to remove those men rather than um, have women potentially uh, denied access to it. So when the, these trans activists and media came at me calling me transphobic, Eagle transphobic. I had no idea what was going on. I was not aware of this gender ideology world whatsoever. I was called a turf. I didn't know what that was. So I sort of thought, well, I have to educate myself as quickly as possible. And I found the gender critical subreddit um, and saw what feminists were saying. And I saw the trans activism subreddits and saw what they were saying. And it then when I look, went and looked more at evidence, I saw that what the feminists were saying was was right. And to this day, everything they've said has been proven 100% correct, that there is this sort of a, attack on women and, and on female spaces in particular, saying that women have to allow men who claim to be women into the space. So we created this app for women, not realizing actually how much there was a need for female spaces as there is. It, it was purely by accident. Um, so I didn't ever intend to become um, someone who I didn't intend to become Australia's premier bigot, basically. <laughs> but that's just how the cookie is crumpled. Um, and yeah, so now we're renovating. It's been three years of being cancelled. When they say what what cancel culture is, and people who say it doesn't exist, I've experienced it. People who media places who before we launched wanted to work with us, then never responded ever again. Um, we wanted to do equity crowdfunding. No equity crowdfunding organization in Australia will work with us because of what they call the open wound of trans attacks. Um, we, yeah, I mean, we, we've just, everything we've done has just been that little bit harder. And starting doing a startup is hard for anyone. They're, they're notoriously difficult. I and mean, if everyone, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Um, but it's just been that little bit harder because of these different things we've had to deal with. But, yeah, we've learned as much as as much as much you sort of can and hopefully, and we still do, but uh, implementing our lessons at the moment. I, I could be wrong, Sal, but 
my gut feeling is that that the people that genuinely suffer from gender dysphoria aren't aggressively invading women's spaces. 100%. It's it's the kinkos who want to bed lesbians, the ones who shout down at feminist rallies. Yes. Uh, they shout women down at feminist rallies and, and talk about breaking the cotton ceiling. What's your read on the men who try to sign up to your app? Are they identifying as trans or are they just trolls doing most the, of the Most of the time, no. Most of the time, absolutely no way. Um, there'll be prominent trans activists on Twitter who will do posts about Giggle sending their followers our way. And so because of the onboarding selfie, we get to see who they are. Um, and they don't have to do that selfie. They can just ignore us. So at the moment, like, they're giving us permission to see who they are. Um, they're, just, they're just dudes, mm. um, mostly in the U.S. Um, and from the age of, like, late teens to early 30s. Um, and... You know, and we're called, I'm called it trans-exclusionary, Giggle is called trans-exclusionary. It, it's quite transphobic, I think, in almost a real way to forget that trans-identifying females are welcome on the app. We don't exclude trans people. We just exclude males. Like if you are a female with a trans identity, come on board. We even have always had a um, gender identity category in a well, part of the app called Giggle Support for women who are ex- exploring that part of themselves so it was just just nonsense to say that we're trans exclusionary or transphobic we're just male exclusionary that's just sort of inbuilt into what the app is we've never been that's never been hidden um the people who have gen genuine gender dysphoria which historically has mostly been males um and it, it does sound like a horrible condition to have it sounds very psychologically painful those people tend, um, who I, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of people, like a lot of guys who have it um, and they don't mind being misgendered. It's not this world ending thing for them. They don't try and control you or anything. They don't abuse you and they have no interest in using any female spaces, whether it's bathrooms or apps um, or going in female sport. They, it, their gender dysphoria is sort of their own private journey that usually they well, once upon a time, we're going through with a psychologist to get help. And in very rare cases, it's transition actually helps. If you read the literature about this, it was always an extreme last resort to go to surgery or medicalization. It was never the first port of call. So the people we have now going after us are just so detached from what we have historically known as transsexuals. They're just internet trolls mm. who prove the reason why we create a giggle, a place away from men. <laughs> like they, that's why sometimes I, I just go like, do you realize you're proving our case for us and we keep all of the evidence? Like, it's madness. It's also interesting that obsession with bathrooms. I've always found that over the top that, you know, I, I'm a man. I go to the bathroom. I, I don't want to be there long. I do my thing. We get out. I mean, men... Uh, are notorious for not talking in bathrooms too. It's like a, it's like a silent place. Oh, like no talking. You know, it's like who's they've got this strange idea that it's going to be like the Ally McBeal set or something, and they're going to be <laughs> they're so going to be chatting and putting lipstick on and like having a great time in there. You know, even in female bathrooms, it's pretty much you just go in and you do your business and you leave. But yes. if I was to go in there and there's just a guy standing in there, I'm going to shit myself. Like. <laughs> it would be mortifying. Um, yeah. Other than like when you're drunk, girls' bathrooms when you're drunk, like at a bar, is really fun. <laughs> That's where you make like the best friend you've ever had. Um, I think the bathroom example is used so frequently. It's because it's a place that we use every day. You know, if you're out and about, if you're at work or whatever. So I get why. But, and, uh, you know, there are some, like, people with genuine gender dysphoria who have transitioned, who I've spoken to, and they say that they don't use public bathrooms. So they sort of structure their day around that. And I find that sad. That's really unfortunate. Is that Can there be a way that society can cater to that so that, you know, so this really small amount of people aren't as put out? I don't know if we can cater to it. it. might be one of those just really horrible things that there isn't a solution on. I don't know. If there were organisations that were campaigning to build sort of more just um, 
like say trans only spaces in just really prominent areas or something, or where there was like a um, a large trans um, population, I wouldn't be against that. Like, fine. Like, let's make society as best we can for everybody. It's just just going into women's spaces isn't the solution. I quite like that idea of making it targeted rather than just some sort of top-down federal thing where it's like, uh, if so if you run like a little uh, an ink cartridge shop like in some industrial area, you've got to have three, four bathrooms. Who knows? However many you know, to cater for everyone. <laughs> no, totally. So. And like you know, you there are some places, um, let's say like small restaurants and things like that that they just have one bathroom, like and it's just yes. one like sort of store, so it's unisex. So obviously, there's no issue there. Ally McBeal style. Yeah, and well, it's it's not even Ally McBeal style because it's just for one person. So there's obviously no issue. Um, yeah. And they, but they're yeah. just usually really disgusting and dirty because <laughs> <laughs> they are. I was going to mention that they're never good. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can we put a law? Why don't we change that? Why don't we say don't have a disgusting, filthy toilet, single-use <laughs> yeah. toilet? But you know, like I, I'm in Queensland, and by the end of this year, it's probable that we're going to have self ID. And it makes me just so nervous because, for example, I um, there's a sports club I go to, my boyfriend and I go to pretty much every day because it's he plays squash and he's like an open player. He's really, really good at it. Um, and just sometimes when I'm just sitting there, I'm just and like I, I just think about like the change rooms there that any of the guys there that could just come in. And this is like a really open change room when you walk into it. It's like that I've just got to, deal with that because there might be some guys who self-ID as a woman, which is not something that doesn't even make sense. Mm, yes. What does it even mean? It just means that you are someone who likes to wear women's clothes. Cool. I don't have a problem with that. Wear them. It's the men's room. Well, I think that's that's the difference between men and women. I mean, men men would gladly have naked naked women come into their bathrooms, <laughs> well, but the say, other way around. No, you say that, but one I um, it was on Twitter one time. A guy had uh, did a tweet in. He's from Melbourne, and he'd been at um, a museum in Melbourne that had gender neutral toilets, so unisex toilets, and he was at the urinal because this unisex toilet had a urinal. And then, like, a mum and her five-year-old daughter walked in to use mm. it. And he's like, every instinct in his body was don't have your dick out when there's, like, a woman and her daughter in the room with you. It's a good yes. rule. Yeah. yeah, great rule. But so he was, like, every in he was going against every instinct he had. They were uncomfortable and couldn't get out fast enough. And so we're all uncomfortable and feel almost, like, some either in danger or you feel dangerous and you're not dangerous to cater to who? Like who? Who is this for? And I question the people who are made comfortable by that. Like if you are a guy who's made comfortable by a, urine, a gender-neutral bathroom urinal, oh. But, Sal, again, we're, we're accommodating a very, very small percentage of the population at, at the expense of the safety and, and I, I guess, the comfort of, of everyone else. You know? Yeah, Exactly. It's for activists. It's almost for activists to have something to do. You see a lot of um, what were formerly LGB activists and same-sex marriage activists who are now doing this and saying that sex doesn't exist and blah, blah, blah. And I think they're doing it because it's their job. They They don't have another skill, so they just went to this next thing. I don't think that they even believe what they're doing. Um, Peter Thatchell is sort of Australian-British activist um, is one of them who I'd say he up until 2018 was writing articles about same-sex marriage and gay rights and now is like oh anyone can be a lesbian mm. he, there's no way he believes that but the check clears well we're moving thick and fast so <laughs> I just want to circle back before we get too far down the road now you mentioned uh, the Australian press now yeah. I think in the past you've said that Mamma Mia has ignored you and Giggle completely and I can verify this if I search your name the app and Mamma Mia nothing comes up not nothing negative nothing positive no, well so, okay so in 2019 we wrote to Mamma Mia I have the email they did acknowledge us then um, and it was, this is a bullseye for our audience. Anything we can do to help, amazing. This sounds fantastic. Um, have you on the podcast, everything. Um, then I started speak. I got called to transfer up in a turf. And then I started, I got educated, started speaking out. Um, in 2020, 
every month they would write me a, an email um, and saying, like, this is the abuse that we're getting. This is the real issues. Can we please talk about them? I, she's never responded to me. Um, and I know why she won't, because she knows that if she does, she'll get abuse. Do you think that the people, because we've had, in our early days, we had a little bit of a run-in with some people at Mamma Mia. It was still, <laughs> it's all fine. It's all fine. Anyway, misunderstanding. But the point, I want to know what the, di- I mean, you're not in their hearts and minds, but but I think you've got a better idea of, of, of what perhaps that the population at Mamma Mia is, is thinking behind the scenes. How, like, do they really believe, uh, are they all in on this woke stuff or are they, or are they uh, more just doing it uh, um, as, you know, they're, they're, they're to, to get by, to go along, to get along? There's lots, there's no one reason. So, as I said, you could have the overriding reason that they don't want to get abuse from trans activists, which they would get. So they can't write a positive article about me or Giggle because they'd get abused by trans activists. They can't write a negative article about Giggle because then people would go, mm, why is Australia's uh, women's media company writing a, neg- writing a negative article about Australia's women-only app? It would mm. create chaos. So they have to just ignore us completely. Now, is it possible that there's lots of journalists in at, working at Mamma Mia who would love nothing more to, than to write about women, these women's issues and have full support for us? Yes, but they're not going to get it past an editor. So I don't tend to blame journalists completely because I know how hard it is to get your work out there. Um, it does come down to editors. Um, do I think that um, Mamma Mia should be all across this and writing about it and supporting women. Of course, this is how the empire was built on on the backs of women and then sort of throwing us under the bus. Um, now there could be that there's an employee there that's trans or has a gen- some sort of gender identity. It could be someone who has a, what you would call a trans child, which well, they don't exist, but they could. So all it takes is one, one in the room and it will change everything for everybody because then you, you're dictated by that ideology. It's unfortunate. Do I think that eventually either they're going to have to acknowledge it? Um, yeah, because this, this story will go on long, so, so long that it will be odd that they haven't done anything about it. It is weird, though, because I, I, I think that, well, you said it's, it is a bullseye. It's a, your app and its whole, its aesthetic is, is, is perfect for, I just thought it's a perfect marriage. Yeah. And it's creepy that they haven't mentioned it. And I don't know, I just feel like, you know, maybe we're skipping ahead in the future that if you believe in integrity and integrity is a real thing, then they'll, eventually they'll have to decide whether they believe in it too. Oh, um, a, a dean at a university here in Australia um gave me great advice ages ago. He said, just keep talking about this stuff because eventually you will prove that they're avoiding a story. True. And so I've always just done Absolutely. that. Um, like I actually, when just a few months ago, when um, I went viral with the birthing parent form, which we can talk about that because that was just so, so ridiculous. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, the journalist, the freelance journalist that had written an article about me and the trans-identified man who was taking me to court, she'd written the article in the Weekend Australian magazine about that. She was she contacted me asking were there any publications that hadn't done the birthing parent story yet that she should contact so she could do it. And I just said, I said, try Mamma Mia, see, see if they'll do it. And she sent me their response and it was, no, this is too controversial, so we're not touching it. And I was like, you're, you're Mamma Mia, you are a, new, a women's news organisation with a focus on motherhood. Well, Mia Friedman herself has, has made her fortune off yes. the back of, of feminism and, and, and writing about women's issues. And now, now she's, she's turning her back on It on built the like empire. You. And yeah. then, so you, then she'll just throw women under the bus. I have no respect for it. Yeah, I don't blame any of like the individual journalists who work there or anything like that. No, they, there's ev- every chance that a lot of them would love nothing more than to be able to write this stuff, but they just can't. And they've got bills to pay and they want to keep their jobs and they also potentially don't want to get attacked. I get it. If you're like 25 and one of your first jobs out of uni and you want a long career, yeah, you're not going to put yourself in a dangerous situation. I get it. I don't... Mm. I don't love it, but I get it. 
why don't we uh, dip into the that the birthing parent story just just briefly? So recently, while filling out some Medicare forms uh, during your pregnancy, you came across the term birthing parent. Can you tell us what yes. happened? Then? So what happened was it was uh, the day I was leaving hospital actually, and they give you all the different forms of like you know to send you home with or that you'll need for different things, and one of them was to put her on my Medicare card or our Medicare card, whichever it should be, um, and. In, on the form, it had birthing parents' name and signature and no, nothing else. There was no, like, dad or anything else. It was just for one person to fill out. And because I'm so tapped into this issue, as I said, you know, Australia's premier bigot, I <laughs> knew where this was coming from. I knew it was the ideological language. And my mum was with me, and we both just, like, rolled our eyes and started talking about it. And I was just, I was, there was a lot of media that said I was outraged. No, I didn't, like, walk around, like, yelling at clouds. I was just like, I just eye rolled. I just thought this is so stupid because if you want to be inclusive, the inclusive word is just parent. You don't need birthing on there because then you're just saying it's only for the mother to sign. So you're still not including lots of people. And because it was a form for a Medicare card, there'd be lots of people who were filling that out who weren't, who didn't birth the child. Now you could have, it would, it was handed to me, but it could have been her dad that was going to fill that out. So where is he writing his name or signature? But also, aren't there people with English as a second language, English as a second language, who this passive language oh, would con- just find they'd be very confused. Well, you've got so birthing parents probably not going to confuse people as much, or if you've got a poor medical vocabulary, it's probably not going to become as much of an issue. But if you're talking about cervix havers and whatnot, yeah, I mean you're mm. excluding them. But with the birthing parent thing, um, you're excluding gay dads you're excluding adoptive adoptive parents in general. Like a lot of the trolls that have tried to come at me going like, what about surrogates? I'm like, well, you moron. A surrogate isn't putting the child on their Medicare card. That's Mm -hmm. the whole point of surrogacy basically is you give up all rights. So in terms of the people who would potentially be, who would be filling out this form, birthing parent is just a fraction of them. And I just also have this thing, if you are a woman with gender, who claims to have gender dysphoria, but you can cope with pregnancy, I question the gender dysphoria. I really do. If you can, if you can cope with pregnancy, but you can't cope with the word mother, or you can't cope with she or her pronouns on a form, is it gender dysphoria or is it something else? I think it's something else. Mm. Because when I talk to like people, like females who live their lives as trans men, and I ask them the question about pregnancy. They say there's no way they could do it. They they feel like men. They want to be men. That they so desperately want to be men. So being pregnant is the last thing they would want to do. So this idea of pregnant men is a complete contradiction to the condition itself. Yeah, after seeing my wife go through it, I I, I yeah, I definitely don't want to. It, do it. sucks. Um, I hated it. I don't have gender dysphoria. I hated it. I was sick for 15 <laughs> weeks. And then look at her hair. I had heartburn for basically the whole time. It was just, I couldn't go for a run. I couldn't do the sport that I like. I couldn't do anything. It's just, I couldn't drink. Like that bothered me. I <laughs> you are Australian. Yeah. I know. I, I, know. I, I like knew all it. this stuff. Um, I really didn't enjoy pregnancy whatsoever. It was a means to an end. Like I love being her mom but and I love her being around. But so... But to say I'm a birthing parent, it was that's one day of our relationship. It, mm. it doesn't define it. But you did manage to get uh, this <laughs> change. You got you got a, a prime ministerial candidate in Shorto, Bill Shorten, <laughs> to respond. Like I love the idea that Shorto was like having to engage with you. Isn't well, that great? I've, no, I've never spoken to him. I, I've never spoken to the man. I tweeted about it, and I you see, I tweet every day so and nothing's ever done i mean i was had a human rights complaint against me and i had a federal court case against me no one came to my aid then so tweeting about this i didn't think anything was going to happen um i just wanted women to be aware of it and and yeah we would go and complain but then we know that usually we go and complain about these things and we're ignored and we're we're called transphobic bigots um and so it was the today show contacted me to ask if i'd go on and talk about it i was like yep cool and did that at like seven o'clock in the morning. And 45 minutes later, they messaged me again and said, oh, can you come back on? Bill Shorten's just tweeted that they're going to change the form. And I was like, what on earth are you talking about? It just, it was so shocking. But apparently 
Medicare was just trialing this form and it was only in three hospitals in all of Australia. And it just so happened that I gave birth in one of them. So they almost got away with it. If I hadn't have given birth in one of those hospitals, it would have been on the form. Well, I've, I've never come across the term penis haver, uh, you know, prostate haver, anything like that. So it, it all seems to go one way, doesn't it? Yes. Every now and then you'll see a place that will attempt to do um, a prostate haver or penis haver. It's so rare. I can't even think of an example, but I know it's happened once or twice. Mm. Um, but it's every day with women's stuff. Yes. And yeah. it's just insulting. It's stupid. In fact, in, in Australia, the, the first sort of media, women's sort of media that I saw usher it in was Mamma Mia. It was on their... Instagram, um, they did a post and an article about endometriosis for vulva owners and or vulva havers, whichever, whatever it was. And I was like, endometriosis doesn't even happen on your vulva, you morons. It is so medically incorrect. <laughs> like, it's, it's just stupid. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's a, the whole thing is an attack on women. My theory is that it's a punishment for me too, for being as, as successful as it was. Um, I don't, for example, I don't think that a lot of like the really powerful men in media give a fuck about trans rights, but they saw an, an ideology that came around that could basically either shut women up or send us into this chaos of having to go and focus on this rather than what we were getting sort of some movement in. So they have gone all in on it because it, it benefits them. But to, to think that politicians and media people have spent their entire lives thinking that men are women and, and only now they're brave enough to say it is just stupid. Of course, mm. that's not the case. None of these people think men are women or that women are men. It's just they either say it to gain what political points they think they're going to get or to avoid attacks from these people and from the mob of at all and as someone who has routinely gets attacked from the mob it's frustrating and it can be really horrible but you can survive it it's just if everybody just stood up to it it would go away really quickly they're prolonging it mm. well i think that there may be something in that as as being a reaction to the me too movement mm -hmm. but i feel like this was happening before me too and, you know, I've, I've, I've heard of a few cases where women have demanded that men's only spaces be opened up to women. So I've, mm -hmm. I heard a case of, of a men's shed that had to open itself up to women. Uh, the Cub Scouts have had to accept girls. Uh, and there's been some stuffy elite men's only clubs have come under fire. And there's, there's a lot of disconnected, angry men out there who feel that their spaces are under siege and that masculinity itself is under attack. Do you think there's anything there? Yeah. So... I'll preface it by saying I'm all for men's only spaces. I actually, actually coincidentally used to live next door to a, men, a men's shed here on the Gold Coast. And I used to walk past it all the time and see guys of like all different generations, like all different ages, they're working together. And it was really cool. And I used to always note they didn't need security <laughs> on the outside, that it was just sort of this respected space. I know that the men's sheds, for example, are men's sheds and they have an exemption in the Sex Discrimination Act. I know that there are some that have opened up to also having a women's shed, but my understanding is that they're still segregated or in some really regional areas, um, it was wanted that they would be unisex, pardon me, and it comes down to resources. But overall, men's sheds do exist and aren't under attack of men's sheds going away anytime soon, and I'm all for them. Um, it's like the Australia Club, which is sort of that old boys, like men's only club, in Australia, I sort of don't agree with all, like, you know, sort of in one sense of that old boys sort of power sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. But in, in concept, I'm all for it. Have men's only clubs. For some men, I'm like, fucking stay in them. Like, <laughs> it, I get that, um, that I don't agree when women say, oh, no, there shouldn't be, like, things like men, men shits or things like that. No, I think guys spending time with each other is really healthy. Um, it just is healthy for us all. We sort of spend, humans are tribal. We spend time with our tribe and then we all go and we coexist in this colourful world together. Mm. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I have a problem if government is, ma if, is male only or if boardrooms are male only. 
that's what should we should focus on being unisex. But at the same time, I'm not that excited about tokenism. I've been the token woman at a table of male writers. They just had to have me there um, so they could tick the box. Um, and it's an utter waste of my time. I don't want to be there just for that reason. I want to be there and in any of these places because I've earned it because um, I'm as good as anyone else. You know what I mean? So it's in there's some areas where it's like difficult to work out how to do it, but just for recreational purposes to have men's only spaces, no, they should be as protected as women's only spaces and male bathrooms should be male. There's some suggestion that just open the male bathroom up to being a unisex space and keep the female one. No, I don't agree with that. Men can have men need privacy too mm, yeah. and dignity. Like yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think Jordan Peterson has, has written about this a lot that, that, that men and women for hundreds of thousands of years actually lived quite sex segregated lives, mm -hmm. you know, where, where women dominated sort of the, the, the home sphere and, and men were out, I guess, hunting and that sort of thing. And, and for long periods of time, they were segregated and it's only really now, you know, since in the last five minutes, you know, yeah. Well, I guess, uh, in terms know, of human history, in terms yeah. of yeah, in the last five minutes that, that we've been put together like this and we're just trying to work this out. Yeah. I mean, there's some things that, that where sex segregation is obviously a negative. So, you know, that's why I would say like the boardroom or mm. government, especially Absolutely. Um, that, you know, and we're, but we're still, we're, we're such a tiny amount of time into even having men and women in these areas and working together. And we're still mm. sort of ironing out how that works and how it looks for everybody. And um, sometimes these things take generations to really take effect. So, you know, we should, sometimes you've got to set your expectations right and know where we're actually at with it all. Um, so yeah, I'm all for men and women mixing freely in society, of course. It's like, it's like when people try and um, compare sex segregation and the necessi necessity of them for certain things like change rooms, bathrooms, um, rape shelters, domestic violence shelters, hospital wards, all this sort of stuff. They try and compare that to, um, apartheid like race segregation it's like no like <laughs> there's it, this is not that um you could maybe compare say the sex segregation in places like saudi arabia to apartheid to race segregation it's because in lots of places it there's no need for it it's not it's unnecessary or it's there purely to hold power yes well, the star the Starbucks at Saudi Arabia actually has a wall through the middle of it, and one side's for men, one side's for women. See, that's there's no need, is there? Like that's just it's just silly. Um, it's like in, that's inconvenient in society. Plus, all the women are wearing black like sheets head to toe. Exactly, and so okay. well, and they can't drive cars. They can now. <laughs> They can. They... Oh, I thought that. I thought that it was only bicycles. No, I thought oh. that it was like 2016 or something that they got the right to drive. They still need like permission and like mm. you know like eight men and a unicorn to sign off on it. But yeah, they. I think they, they're not going to be stoned now for the act of driving. But it, it, so there's some places where it's like yeah, you can look to and go oh sex segregation bad. Um, but what say Western feminists are fighting for at the moment is the proven necessary sex segregation and incidentally in lots of third world countries like developing countries women's only bathrooms are being built for the first time ever so that women will go to like young girls will go to school or that they'll that women will be in the workplace because this stuff is just proven to work and make society better so it's like we're dismantling something in the western world that's been proven to be successful and we're only going to have ourselves to blame or these activists are only going to have themselves to blame. Well, in order to get in the ring and fight the good fight, you've had to brush up on your identity politics. You've had to do a lot of research and reading into the trans rights movement. How can you convince people with differing opinions on the trans debate to change their view if observable facts cannot be agreed upon? If you can't come together and recognise that men and women are different biologically and that men hold physical strength advantages over women, how do you convince people that women are in danger and that they need their own spaces? Some of these people are so far gone, I don't think you can. Um, and, but that said, in a lot of ways, I think with gender, I, the gender ideology, people only see the serious, seriousness of it is when it affects them personally. So for me, I, I, I mean, I just was completely unaware of it until 
February 2020. There's some women that have been fighting it for years before that. Um, so I, I managed to completely avoid it. I don't know how. I'm a, what bubble was I living in? But in part, on Twitter, I didn't tweet, but I was in a lip, like a very, very left-wing bubble on there in terms of all the, polit the political people and journalists that I was following. So I didn't see this issue at all. But so if there'll be some people that could be really staunchly for it at the moment of for gender ideology and thinks that trans kids are a thing and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, but then, you know, potentially one of these policies will backfire in their lives and suddenly they'll go, hang on, maybe I'm wrong about this. Like there's some Australian journalists, for example, I, I just, I don't think for a second they believe in it. Um, I see no evidence to think that they would like um, the editor of pedestrian TV, Jim Marlowe. I, I see no evidence that he actually cares about trans rights. I see a lot of evidence that he really loves to demonize women. And so do I, would I spend time trying to convince him that he's wrong or that he should change his views? Nope, he's entitled to his views. He can hate women all he wants. I just won't engage with him at all. And I have no respect for him or his publication. So yeah, maybe those sorts of people will be left in the dust as time marches on. Yeah, well, to circle back to sport, I think this is why trans athletes are so important in this debate because you can clearly see that physical advantage when, say, Aaliyah Thomas slays every other woman in the pool. And I, I don't know what what your I mean what your view on this is, but but maybe highlighting trans involvement in women's sports could help save women's spaces. You know, well, it's funny that sport is the one that gets the most attention. It's because it's. Sports really entertainment, like at the end of the day, like professional sports. And it, but then also like, you know, like recreationally in our lives, it's there for fun. Either we're watching it for fun or we're participating in it for fun. Um, and but we have this great respect for the dedication of athletes and, and following the rules because sport only, and competitive sport only works if you follow the rules. That's why I always say like trans athletes aren't being banned from anything. They're not being asked to do anything that literally everyone else is being asked to do. And so that's the definition of inclusion, where you're not singled out. This is the difference between, like, the fight for gay rights and the fight for trans rights and why they're completely different things, is gay people wanted to just be emerged in society and treated like everybody else. Trans people want to be complete, treated completely differently to everybody else. It's not trans people in sports. See, that's even actually framing it incorrectly. It's males in women's sports. That's what's up for debate. Trans people are welcome to compete with sport and there's lots of trans people out there who complete, compete based on their biological sex and just get on with it. It's males in women's sports. As we said, we're not debating females in male sports. It just isn't a thing. And even the trans-identified females who competed in the Olympics, like there's one on the US soccer team, on the women's team, they, they, they get around it. It's proven. Women prove it because they won't make the men's teams. So it, it's so such nonsense. This is even debated where the evidence is just there. It, it's ridiculous. Mm. And yeah, one of the things that gets lost is in 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 it, that, but does bring it back to women's spaces is when they're fighting for men to be on women's sports. Where where do you think those men change? Um, I did a podcast interview with a swimmer um, on the UPenn swim team. So swim, swim with Leah Thomas, knows Leah Thomas personally, um, and is so uncomfortable. They all were uncomfortable by this guy in their change rooms and who was getting all of this attention, who was a mediocre male swimmer at best, like 462nd rank or something, and suddenly at number one. And then we're supposed to go, oh, no, there's no biological differences. Nonsense. It's just gaslighting. It's stupid. Well, I just want to come at this from another angle, uh, uh, Sal. So another thing that gets lost is that you, you've done what we should be encouraging, which is you've made something. And I don't think anyone, you've done a lot of a lot of press and, you, and you're on a lot of podcasts and what, but I don't think people really talk enough about the fact that you did sketches and had meetings and pitched to investors. And I don't want to get too philosophical here, but I wonder if some of the most negative people out there, the critics that you've come upon would be happier if they created something instead of trying to destroy something. Totally. Like one of the things I always say to people is like, go create, go create a woman plus trans woman app. It, I don't even see that it would be competition for us because I think that the demographics are quite different, but I'm, I'm not against it. I wouldn't use it. I think that it would be 
far too similar to Twitter, but create it by all means. Um, create trans women only apps. There actually are a lot. There's lots of dating apps or different sort of apps that cater specifically to trans people's needs. Um, there's one called um, Tame Me. It's an LGBTQ plus app, but a huge emphasis on the T. It's a successful so social networking app. Fantastic. Like, there's Did you say Tame Me? Yeah, that's kind of what it was to begin with, but now it's spelled like T-A-I-M-E or something like that. Like, why, why is it always going to be yeah. fetish stuff, kinky fetish, <laughs> sexy no, stuff? Actually, why is it going to be sexy? Why is everything going to be sexy? On that, there is actually a social network um, exclusively for furries, and it has like 50,000 members. It's just a website. Oh, yes, called, like, popular. Oh, it's I can't even remember. I think... It's some play on furball. No, it's some. I, thought, <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I, I'm all. I think it has like a play on the word zoo. I think, but now all I can hear in my head is like Zootopia, and I'm like, oh, that's a kids' cartoon. Um, it's some ridiculous name, but yeah, like there's a social network for furries. Cool. If there's a demographic that wants it, have it. I don't care. It's just there's this whole thing. If you do something for women, um, and even like in the development of Giggle. So prior to all of this bullshit, um, there were like just some guys who would accuse me of misandry. And I was like, well, no, doing something for women doesn't mean I hate men. It just means I'm doing something for women. I don't think if, you, if a man does something just for men, that means he's a misogynist. I think if he attacks a woman because she's a woman, then he's probably a misogynist. Mm. Well, I think that's, that's kind of part of the problem, though, because there are a lot of feminists out there that would see a male-only app as being basically you know, rape culture and, you know, misogyny or, or just or just a, kind of a, a a place where all of that stuff's going to fester and... The, well, to be fair, in a way they're not wrong. I have sometimes joked that um, 4chan is already a male-only social network for the most part and look what happens on it. There is... It's a loser-only one too, though. Yeah. It's like... Probably. Now, there are women on it and, some of the, and they're absolutely batshit, like, don't get me wrong. And, like, unfortunately, women are not immune from believing complete nonsense it would be so much better if they were um it would be better if all humans were to be fair but um yeah there is a fear that when it's just big groups of men together that it um does sort of become these kind of quite horrible places where it's like sort of this incel type community that emerges um i think that but i think that there's a way to create male spaces where it would just be encouraging men to talk about to talk to each other and have bonds and talk about like mm. feelings emotions what they did today or whatever like obviously there's lots of guys that just do that as well well i, I think we should rebrand incel it should just be called losers really. <laughs> yeah exactly that's what it is um but so i i do understand like a little bit of the fear women have of male only spaces in that sense that they seem to be quite different from women's only spaces, but all of this is just proving the difference of the sexes, that, that men and women are different. doesn't mean one's better or one's worse or one's stronger or one's weaker overall. It just means we're different and it's okay to say that. And I think one of the cool things that, um, especially sort of like radical feminism, which is sort of like sort of root feminism that I've been introduced to in the last few years because of this, is it is actually the true feminism that acknowledges that. The feminism that's quite palatable or enjoyed by the media that exists at the moment isn't really feminism, I'd argue. I mean, if you're a woman out there g g calling yourself a feminist because of your OnlyFans account, like, okay. Yes, we've spoken to Louise Perry about this as a fine distinction mm. to be made between yeah. these different brands. Yeah, yeah, I just I just don't think that the, if your if your feminism is just about trans women are women and sex workers work, I, you're not a feminist. I mean, you're something, but it's just it's just not feminism because it's just not a, you're not there engaging in a political movement for the betterment of female people. <laughs> just by the definition of what you're doing. Um, you can do it, sure. If you want to sit there and advocate that trans women are women, we live in a democracy. Knock yourself out. Just allow me to disagree with you. Well, we're, we're, we're fast approaching the end of the interview here, Sal, but we're desperate to talk to you about Hollywood. We'd love to get your take on the state of cinema in Hollywood right now. Your bag was romantic comedies. 
Can you even make a romantic comedy in 2022? To, to some degree, successful romantic comedies rely on highlighting and in some cases amplifying the differences between men and women. You know, I'm thinking of When Harry Met Sally, While You Were Sleeping, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones' Diary and, and many others. Do you think gender ideology has killed the romantic comedy? There's a romantic comedy about to come out called Bros, and I think it's coming out on Netflix, and it's sort of the first ever just straight-up romantic comedy, but it's about two guys. And there seems to be a little bit of gender ideology in it just in the trailer. I've seen some nonsense, but the overall film looks really fun. Uh, but are we saying it's are they a, a gay couple or is yeah, it like Lethal Weapon guy, with their friends? It's a gay guy that's like looking for love. Just So it's like okay. it's like when Harry met Sally, but it's just when Harry met Harry, basically. Um, it okay. looks really, really good. It, her, the first um, romantic comedy I ever sold was called Sex in the First Date, and it was about the stud versus slut mentality. It was basically this, like, girl who had one-night stands and, and casual sex, and um, but this guy that said, well, if you're a girl who does that, you'll never find love. You know, obviously, obviously they fall in love and get together at the end, and he's wrong, and the meaning behind it was that, you know, sort of stop this judgment of women um, mm. for doing something that we would accept men to do. Um, and it, it never got made because my whole career, I sold scripts, they never got made. Um, lots of writers make careers of doing that. You just sell them. And it's really hard. So few movies actually get made. Lots more get bought. I actually was talking about this with my mum just a few days ago. We were saying, like, maybe... It seems like maybe there's a little bit of a shift happening that people are getting a little bit over, like the Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and Marvel sort of stuff, that maybe there'll be smaller just movies about people that will emerge again. Like all the streaming services, because they're making more movies and these movies are cheaper to make, they'll potentially make more of them um, if people want to watch them. But, yeah, I mean, ugh, Hollywood's cesspool. It's horrible place. I just remember getting to the point going, like, this is so horrible. I just want to, like, write movies and entertain people. It, it shouldn't take this. It, it's, mm. like, there's this whole world out there of people doing really important things. This isn't it. So I don't have more for it. There's also that taboo around on on average of saying that 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 men in on average like John Wick and women like A Star Is Born. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that taboo is messing with the creative compass of many of Hollywood professionals. So we seem to get projects today that are for either for nobody or muddled because <laughs> no one in the writer's room felt safe enough to plant their feet and say, I hope men and women like this movie on a human level, but I understand that most women don't care about gunplay and that's just what it is. Totally. like You know? Like... My boyfriend and I, like, so I'm currently watching, and I say watching, watching's a strong word. Um, we're watching House of Dragons. He is watching it. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm on my phone the whole time. <laughs> Couldn't care less. I think it's the most boring thing I've ever seen. I think it's stupid. Um, we just like different things. Like my my mum loves romantic comedies. My dad loves John Wick. Some stereotypes exist because they're just kind of there's sort of there's an element of truth to them. It's okay to write movies or have movies that are just for women. I've always I always hated the idea that like romantic comedies were stupid movies because they were for women. It was like they're about like love and human relationships. Mm -hmm. It's some of the most important things in the world. Why are these stupid? These are really nice. And they, sure, they might have, you know, that fairy tale element and, you know, um, high expectations and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yet, so does Die Hard. Well, I've got to say, growing up, one of the films that was most popular in my household, I grew up with an older brother and a younger sister, was Overboard with Kurt Russell <laughs> and Goldie Hawn. <laughs> I, I could probably recite that film. Yeah. Like, it's, we loved that, it. Yeah. It's a it's a, a rape culture fantasy of kidnapping a woman and getting yes. her to do all the stuff. Oh my god! And <laughs> gaslighting her as well. Like, well, I um I read a thing not long ago about you've got mail that it was like that's just a whole film of gaslighting because he you know there it's Meg Ryan yes. and Tom Hanks and they're it's written by Nora Ephron like the great and it's just this really sweet great fun silly movie and that he. Apparently he's catfishing her. I mean, but those, those people are historical. It's based on the shop around the corner. It is, yes. So those people can just go and jump. Yeah, exactly. Like, if there's some things like when it comes to art that it should just be like fun, and you can cater to all different people. Like, 
I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, in, at the Globe Theatre in London, they're going to be doing a production of Joan of Arc, but now Joan of Arc is non-binary. Oh, non-binary. yes, this came across my desk. Yeah. Yes, which is, in my opinion, stupid. It's so stupid. However, artistic licence is... Just make it good, but the, I would. Qual- My argument is that the, the 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 woke mind virus breaks the creative machine, yes. so that it compromises you. So you can never write uh, um, Buffalo Bill in Science Lines, which I saw you mentioned in another podcast. You could never, you know, go where you need to go. There's a trans identified man who did a one, or well, he would say a one woman show, um, like about Buffalo Bill. I can't remember what the actual oh, wow. production was, but it was like delving into it and like um, like, um destigmatizing him or something. And I was like, oh, yeah. no. I mean, skin, skinning people should be more like, you know, accepted, I think. So, <laughs> I mean, you know. but it's like, yeah, have fun with art and things like that. If you want to create um, like a non-binary Joan of Arc, sure, I'm not going to, like maybe it's great. Maybe it's the best production of Joan of Arc ever. It won't be, though. It won't it? be, but let's just... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it never is. It never is, though. But it might be, when... it might be successful because maybe it it's be. going to cater to a demographic who, you know, who will go and see it and maybe just from seeing that production will have some sort of curiosity curiosity ignited and they'll go and actually study the real history of it and learn something. So stuff in art I don't think is that bad. Sometimes it's just annoying. Like, for example, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get past the first episode of the latest Sex in the City series. I, I had to turn it off. It was so bad. Yes, yeah. My, my wife and I started watching it. It was awful. Yeah. Awful. It was nonsense. Whereas the original show, especially like the first two seasons, I think fantastic. But those women are now, that, what I saw of that new stuff, it was Dr. Evil saying, I'm hip, I'm cool, like like just saying, I'm woke, I'm bi- I'm non-binary. They sort of missed the point. I, mean, I feel like this has happened with Sex and the City in general, is that they sort of completely missed what women were loving about it. They missed that what we loved was that they were talking about taboo topics, not that what the clothes were a byproduct of that, like the fashion element, and then they just took the fashion element as the thing that, we all liked, but no, it was the fact that it was like four women talking about like anal sex and like in the late nineties that had never been on TV before. So they were talking about like taboo things to talk about your pronouns is not taboo. Mm. Like, you're not no, anti-establishment. It's orthodox. It's, it's, it's mainstream. Yeah. Thought. Like you, yeah. this is not damn the man kind of stuff. Mm. Well, I think, I think Kim Cattrall had the right idea. She didn't come back for it. She yeah. was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And Samantha, the character of Samantha wouldn't work in this new, woke kind of environment she would yeah. be horrible either they demonize her or they completely sanitize her mm, yeah well just just while we're on the topic i know we got to wrap up but but uh, what do you think of the portrayal of, of of women right now in 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 hollywood because it seems that we get uh you know they seem to be sub, at, at times saintly sassy flawless say slay queens you know but uh, like what's your perspective on on this sort of archetype to be honest, there's so many cooks in the kitchen that you can never blame one person for it. Like I remember with one of my scripts, you know, I would always write like the the protagonist was always sort of a strong yet flawed woman. Like she always had really obvious flaws, and that was sort of the journey of the of the movie is to fix them. But she was always very strong and opinionated, and that wasn't the flaw. Um, and I'd have executives being like, okay, well, like you know we need like a button for this thing, like, you know, like something funny to end it on. Can she fall off the chair or something? Or can she trip over here? No, I'm not going to do that to her. I mean, maybe if I'd just given in and said, yes, you can do all of this to her, they'd get made. Well, every man now is without a doubt, a total idiot, a fool, a coward, like, it, it, well, I, we watch these movies now, and you just go, "Oh, for goodness sakes!" Like it, it, it pleases no one. We've got we've got women who are being like. I ask my wife, I go, "Are you happy with this with this woman kicking the butt of all of those SWAT team members?" Like you know, in this <laughs> movie, and she goes, "No, not really." No. And I go, "Well, you're not happy." And I go, uh, and then and, and you know, the question to me, like, "Would you be happy with how that dad is just and everyone is just a total idiot?" Like we don't have Harrison Ford anymore anymore doing yeah. like wit- witness or something. Like, you know, I remember it was Bill. Ma, who made this point, I think he was right about it, that like, you know, in this sort of Hollywood political correctness, blah, 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 um, and women, you know, you have to have all this diversity and blah, 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 but then you've got like Wonder Woman 
she's just a supermodel who's kicking ass. It's complete. It's just it's as disbelievable as everything else before it. Yes. Yes. And yep. and it's just the same thing. It just maybe she's saying some slightly different words to mask the fact that it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I just I think movies are pretty shitty at the moment, to be honest. Like I kind of revisit old things. Um, like I actually just rewatched The Nanny, which sounds really random. <laughs> my, my wife's watching great, The Nanny great right show. now. Yeah, it actually holds up really well. It's re- like Cece and Niles are really, really funny. It's naughty, yes, and it's yeah. and it's and it's not clever. obsessed with like identity or whatever. And sometimes they'll say things, and you're like, oh my god, that it stands out. You're like, you wouldn't be able to get away with saying that right now. And this is just like a primetime network television show from the 90s. And talk about a, a strong woman. And, was. And like in front and behind, behind the camera. Totally. Like it's, I was talking to a friend about it. I was saying the character of Fran Fine is really interesting because, yes, there's sort of this like obsession or preoccupation with getting married, but it's actually not the driving force of her actions. She she doesn't, she won't settle. She 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 knows kind of what she wants. And and she she just sort of she stands by that. Like she's you can't help but love her. It just in and it's not political politicalized in any way, whereas this this in this day and age it would be. Well, look at what happened to Roseanne. So that comes yes. back and then A few years you know. ago I rewatched Re- Roseanne and she, I didn't realise, like I didn't appreciate it as a kid of how brilliant Groundbreaking. that character was. Um, yeah. And then they tried to redo it now and it didn't work at all because they took away all of the things that were groundbreaking and they didn't update it to make it groundbreaking now. Well, actually, the first thing, it was a smash and then she did a bad tweet and then she, she got cancelled. So well, yeah. that's it for her. That can happen, as you, you well know about Twitter. So, <laughs> Well, anyways, so, so we can't take any more of you or your baby's time. Uh, so I just want to thank you for being so generous. There's so much more we want to ask you, but we, we don't have time. So it's uh, we'd per- perhaps like to get you back at some point. Awesome. If, if that's okay. Always happy to. Now, if, if, if people want to follow you, uh, can they do yes. that via Twitter? Is that yes, the, the so main place? Yes, on Twitter it's Sal Tweets. It's Sal 2 Ls. Um, and then, yeah, in the next, like, month, um, Giggle will be relaunching and with a new name, in fact. Like, it's rebranding. We're, like, sort of taking, like, we never got to launch properly because of the trans activists of what the, the, the invasion that they did. So we're sort of starting again, in a way, and I'm really, really excited about it. Um, I'm also speaking at CPOC, the Conservative Political Convention, in the 1st and 2nd of October in Sydney. Yay, they're going to have some little lefty liberal there, <laughs> which I think is really cool. Um, yeah, yes, so but you're an old school lefty liberal, so you're basically oh, right. I'm like a John Stuart Mill liberal and like, I don't know, kill me. Proud conservative now. That's what yeah, it, that's now, what it now I'm alt right. <laughs> that's right. Well, we'd love to have you back maybe after all of that's you. happened. The launch, for yes, sure. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much for chatting with me.